Pardon me, everyone. I just wanted to sneak in a few words before this episode of the podcast begins. First, we've now reached 7,000 downloads, which is amazing. And I want to thank each of you who are listening for that. When you create something, you're never quite sure if there's anyone out there listening. So it is with a really grateful heart that I thank you for your support. In addition, we would like to win Apple over as well. It seems we need more stars and written reviews on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. So, if you utilize them and enjoy these weekly urban legends, please consider giving it a 5 star and maybe a simple good job comment to let Apple know that you're out there within the mist. Thank you, everybody. Welcome to our podcast, Within the Mist, a hidden place where we walk into the dark and clouded unknown. I am your snapping of a host, Gary, with my co-host, Goldie Ann. And we are here to entertain you and inform you about the likes of cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries. And how are you doing today, Goldie Ann? I'm good. How are you? I am very good. Still surviving the cold that we're having here in Florida. Yeah, we're going cold again. Not good news. For our humor of the week, I recently got invited to a costume party, so I went as a turtle. Oh, yeah? Yes. I had a shell of a good time. Oh, God. (laughs) All right. Now that I know you're either smiling ear to ear or groaning in mental anguish, I did want to recognize one of our listeners who left a review through Facebook of our podcast. Carla writes, Entertaining and engaging stories about urban legends. I've learned so many new and interesting things about different creatures and different parts of the world. Awesome. Exactly. So thank you to Carla. And we will strive to continue searching the globe for more to bring to you. If you would like us to read your review, please submit on the podcast provider you utilize or at our website, www dot within the com. Today's episode contains stories about a monstrous snapping turtle that some members of our audience might find a bit unsettling, so please be forewarned. We are storytellers who have gathered information on some of our favorite mysteries to bring to you. We don't attempt to scare our listeners on purpose. Well, maybe a little. Listener discretion is always advised. So now, if you are ready, let's take a walk within the mist. In the folklore of Indiana, they tell of an enormous snapping turtle. The eyewitnesses who have seen it have reported that it has the shell the size of the top of a car. Its neck resembles a stovepipe and has a head as large as a child. So not the kind of turtle I want. Not one that you're going to fit in the bathtub. Citizens claimed to have seen this monster during 1949 as he gobbled up waterfowl, fishing poles, and even livestock. More than anything, this is a tale of one farmer's consuming quest to capture the monster. It became a legendary battle of man versus beast. Today, 
I will tell you the tale of the Beast of Busco. That's crazy. You, when you told me the story title, I was thinking another werewolf or beast type, not a cute little turtle. Okay, remember the cute part as I go through this legend, okay? Okay. Chapter 1, Churubusco's Mascot. We can all picture small-town Midwest America. It's an idealistic example of neighbors all knowing one another and community picnics. Everything and every day is quiet. Well, the actual place is Churubusco, Indiana, at the headwaters of the Eel River. And it is an example of this Midwest America. It boasts a small population of only 1,800 people. This is not the type of place where you would find much in the name of excitement. Except for one unique detail. Churubusco has been, for over 70 years, the home to the beast of Busco. Now, despite the fearsome name, you can see images of this beast all over town and on almost every sign. It is evident that the mysterious beast is a turtle, and there are images of the smiling green-backed mascot displayed on almost every government sign. <laughs> He's there greeting visitors at every turn. Oh, at least they accept him. They love him. Oh. The popularity of the turtle is so widespread that the governor of Indiana officially dubbed Cherubusco as Turtle Town USA for its nationwide publicity. Wow. However, the real-life beast of the town's history is not the friendly pet store variety of turtle that you may be thinking of. Chapter 2, Oscar Folk's Tall Turtle Stories. The earliest parts of the legends of the Beast of Busco originated as far back as 1898. During this time, Oscar Folk was an owner of a farm with a lake on his land in Churubusco, Indiana. It was a very quiet place, and the farmer utilized the property for farming as well as hunting and his favorite hobby, fishing. It was Folk who first told his neighbors of a huge turtle that lived in his lake. He would come to town and boast to the rest of the townsfolk about how he had come across the creature multiple times while fishing in the middle of his seven-acre lake. He claimed that the ornery beast tended to steal his catch from his fishing line. He would spread incredible tales about the immense size of the creature during his visits to town to anyone who would listen. Many of his neighbors humored him but never had any reason to really believe in such a creature and it never seemed to cause the farmer any trouble. The people of Churubusco were quite familiar with snapping turtles and their sizes. For them, Oscar's story seemed just like a tall tale. Falk would go on and on about the creature, but always warned that such a large creature should be left alone and not bother it or else risk trouble. Falk and his stories soon faded into history except to bring a chuckle to a few of the old-timers who reminisced about how convincing the old farmer was. They would retell about the great creature he had in his lake, but they were just stories, though, for almost the next 50 years. Little did they know how those stories would transform their little town. So you mean for 50 years they never even went to the lake to search it? To search it, no. 
um, back during this time, we're, and we're saying there's 1,800 people in the population today. Okay. At the turn of the century, there was even fewer people. Right. Like and five. <laughs> it seems that way. And Churubusco was a very small town, and Folk's Farm was a little bit of a distance away. And so there was not much cause to go visit him on the farm or to come see his woods or his seven-acre lake. Hmm. So most of the information they got about this giant turtle would be when Folk would come to town and then tell his tall tales. Okay. And that's the way it stayed for 50 years. I would have went out there. I would have gone fishing. Well, then you're going to like Chapter 3. Okay. Oscar the Turtle. (laughs) Years later, in November of 1947, Oscar Folk sold his farm. He sold it with the lake to another farmer, Gail Harris. The new owner was unaware of the stories about what resided in the lake, which was now officially named as Folk Lake. Even if he had heard about the previous owner's tales, he probably would not have believed in such things. He just wanted to get started on his new land. In July of 1948, the fuse that would create the legend was lit as a giant turtle reportedly attempted to take some fishing poles away from a pair of fishermen who were in their boat on Folk Lake. <laughs> so exactly like you suggested. Finally. What had happened was, Harris's brother-in-law, Ora Blue, was in a rowboat on the waters of Folk Lake with a fishing buddy of his named Charlie Wilson. The two men were enjoying the summer day casting into the waters of the lake when something unseen had seized the bait and the lines of both men at the same time. They pulled back on their poles with all of their might, but whatever was on the other end was threatening to pull them into the water. It was said that the culprit surfaced right in front of the surprised men. It was a turtle, but it was not like anything they had ever seen before. It was described as having a shelled back as large as a dining room table. The creature in the water was reportedly 15 feet long and more than 4 feet wide. The creature submerged beneath the water as quickly as it appeared. It departed as if it was moving, quote, away like it was a submarine. It left the two men unsure of what they should do next. Run? Wait, wait, row? Pretty much. They were still (laughs) in their boat. The first thing they did was they had to verify to one another that what they saw was what they saw. Wow. Could you imagine? That's pretty much what I'm picturing right now as two men staring at each other in the boat just trying to determine did they really see a giant turtle. Now, once they were sure that they were not imagining it, the two fishermen immediately reported their encounter to the new owner, Harris, who laughed at their joke but dismissed the whole thing. (laughs) Harris's wife later stated that her brother, Blue, was a bit of a prankster, so it was no surprise to her that they did not take the story very seriously. News of the two men's encounter did reach town and turtle expert Rusty Reed. As he heard about the sighting, he was very skeptical about the validity of the tall tale. He personally determined that the sighting was a hoax, as Charlie Wilson had a reputation for telling whoppers. It's both guys. Party people. Well, they were definitely tellers of fish tales. Reed 
who is known for studying and breeding alligator snapping turtles, which is a larger breed of turtle than normally swims in the water of Indiana, noted that the world record for a common snapping turtle is 70 pounds. That's pretty big still. Well, not quite the same size as the 500-pounder that the two men claimed they saw. No. In fact, an alligator snapping turtle, the largest breed of turtle in North America, could only reach 230 pounds. Mm. Despite this, neither of these enormous species ever reached the size of the beast of Wilson and Blue sighting. Even if the creature was an exaggeration of an alligator snapping turtle, it would not likely choose Indiana's cooler waters as they prefer warmer climates of the southern states. Chapter 4, Oscar Gains World Attention Now, all of this should have ended the story, except that Gail Harris reported his own sightings of the creature while he was repairing the roof of his barn. It overlooked the waters of Folk Lake, and a disturbance attracted the attention of his friend, the Reverend Orville Reese, who was assisting him at the time. Reverend Reese saw movement in the water and pointed it out to his friend. Both men saw the head of an enormous creature resembling the one that the two fishermen had talked about, and they would both agree that it was larger than any turtle either man had ever observed before. On the next morning, both men were again starting on the roof when they observed the same creature once more poking its head out of the water. <laughs> this time, they both decided to go down to the lake and take a closer look. As soon as they had reached the banks of the water, they verified that the creature was indeed a beast of a turtle. The shell was about six feet long and four to five feet in width. Wow. Now that they were aware of the enlarged reptile, which they had given the nickname of Mr. Turtle. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just what uh, Gail called it at first. <laughs> Mr. Ginormous Turtle. Only to his friends. <laughs> but now that he was aware of the turtle, he saw it much more frequently. This included one time in which his son and he were in a boat on the water. On a whim, he decided to reach into the water and grab the turtle by its long tail as it passed underneath the boat. Wow. He realized that it was so large that his hand was unable to grasp around it. The beast did not take kindly to this assault and splashed to the surface, tipping the boat over and dumping the two men into the water. <laughs> oh, God. So now both of them are wet in the water, in the water with this enormous hey, angry turtle. I just think if its, if it's shell is six feet, you got to add at least another two feet. One foot for the front feet, one foot for the back feet. That's pretty, you know, we're going eight feet long now. At, the, at a minimum. Yeah. And if you had it in the head, oh boy. Yes. But luckily for them, the beast was satisfied with his revenge and swam off to leave the two men gasping for air and thoroughly soaked. Stories about this creature were starting to be taken seriously during the remainder of 1948. In the first few days of March of 1949, the beast's appetite had grown as well as its size. The town residents were buzzing with stories about the beast they named Oscar, in honor of the property's original owner, and the local reporter soon caught wind of the farmer's lake monster and came to investigate. The town was still unconvinced that such a creature existed. 
Feeling that his integrity was being questioned, and with the encouragement from the members of the town, Gail Harris tried to trap the beast with a net, which was easily shredded by the turtle. <laughs> One report in the Columbus City Commercial newspaper stated that a group of 30 townsmen came to the lake to help Harris capture the creature. They were able to snare the turtle's leg with a chain. However, try as they might, they could not bring the turtle out of the water in their battle of tug-of-rope war. Wow. According to March 7th's newspaper reports, there was even a photo of the beast ensnared by a pen of chicken wire just below the surface of the water. Oh, the poor baby. Unfortunately, the image had been lost in time. The beast was not amused at being trapped, and it did not require much time before the giant turtle was able to rip its way through the wire and escape. So your poor baby can take care of himself. Okay, good. The rumors about what was swimming in Folk Lake got attention, and reporters from the Journal Gazette of Fort Wayne started to show up at the lake in hopes of catching sight of Harris's turtle. By the next day, the story was picked up by the Associated Press, and it was running across country more out of humor than taking the situation seriously. Hmm. Within a week... 200 people had traveled to the area to watch the search in hopes of seeing the giant turtle. Then, the crowds really began to come in. All the roads were crowded bumper to bumper heading to the farm. The Harris children even had difficulty getting to school. During this time of history, people wanted good news, and the thought that a giant turtle existed in a farmer's lake was just too much to pass up on. The town embraced the media frenzy, and many of the businesses took advantage of the large influx of business. Restaurants were now offering turtle soup dishes. It was a boon to the economy of the small town. I can't, I can't see coming to see a... Oh, I don't know. Never mind. Because I know people go to Gatorland and look at the gators and eat gator bites. It's like, how can you look at these cute little creatures and then go eat them? Like you... I may resemble that remark. And my son. Now Harris also saw dollar signs when thinking about Oscar swimming in his lake. There were unconfirmed rumors that the Cincinnati Zoo offered $1,800 for it, which was a great deal of money in the late 1940s. This was denied by the zoo, but if the zoo didn't want Oscar, Harris knew someone would pay a good price for the giant turtle. Harris and the garage mechanic Kenneth Leach worked on ingenious traps after ingenious traps to capture the beast. One of their inventions was a periscope that would enable them to peer down into the murky water to search out the amphibious reptile. Harris even hired an airplane to help in his search for the turtle. But luck was always on the side of Oscar as bad weather halted the flight. He hasn't done anything wrong, so he's not a terror, correct? Yes and no. He w There were reports that he was eating the chicken and some exaggerated stories that he was eating some of the calves from the farm. Well, wolves do that. True, but you hunt, farmers will hunt wolves who are true. bothering their livestock, true, so true, true. it's not surprising for them to hunt the turtle. Okay. Now, it was never really proven that this turtle was causing damage to the farm. Right. But... There was money to be made, and they, they were going to try and they to were going to make it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Chapter 5, Swimming with the Turtle. 
Oh, now I'm making some money. <laughs> By now, the crowds had grown to 3,000 people. All of them wanted to watch Harris in his attempt to prove the existence of the beast. It seemed that there was not one square foot of Harris's property that was not being trampled on by curious onlookers, creating a media circus that was damaging his farm. The attention continued to spur the farmer to become more and more creative in his methods for hunting down his gigantic adversary. Rumors of all kinds were spreading amongst the crowds and throughout the country. There was one attempt that involved bringing in a crane to reach out over the lake and catch the turtle. <laughs> However, this crafty beast maneuvered just out of reach and traveled deep under the water to where the crane had no chance to ensnare it. This game of cat and mouse with Oscar was beginning to take a toll on Harris as well. Chores weren't getting done on the farm, and he wasn't getting much sleep due to the crowds of people and the stress of failing to outsmart one reptile seemed to age the farmer very quickly. Tired, but still determined for his moment of fame and fortune, Harris persevered. On March 18th, Harris even obtained a complete dive suit, and Woodrow Rigsby was quick to attempt to walk the bottom of the lake to find the giant turtle. Rigsby was an experienced diver earning a living hunting mussels on the river bottoms of Indiana. The two men first utilized the makeshift periscope to verify the location of Oscar. Once convinced that they knew where the turtle was, the courageous Rigsby vowed that he was going to catch that turtle and bring it to the surface. In front of a crowd of 300 people, the diver prepared for his swim with Oscar. The day was just one problem after another. First, the air compressor that would pump the oxygen to the man under the water was failing and needed to be repaired. <laughs> then, once that was taken care of, Rigsby attempted to enter the water. Bubbles of air leaked around his glove, indicating that the suit was not airtight. Tape from Cherubusco was brought in to fasten the gloves to the suit, but it wouldn't hold. By the end of the day, the two men and the town had to give up on their attempt to send Rigsby to the bottom of the lake with Oscar. Wow. Now, you would think that that would be the end of it, but they persevered and they didn't give up. They decided that the gloves would have to be vulcanized, which means welded to the sleeves. The next chance that they got, they were able to prepare the suit for a submersion started off well, but that only lasted for a few minutes. <laughs> While submerged into the murky water, the helmet began to leak, causing the diver to frantically return to the surface and call off the search. Although the people didn't know how, but it seemed that the turtle had defeated the farmer once again. <laughs> wow, karma's bitch. It seemed that some kind of magical force or some kind of karma was definitely working in favor of the turtle and against the farmer at every turn. Chapter 6, A Girlfriend for Oscar. That'll do it. You would think. In April, two students, a Kedrick Fisher and Dale Overstreet from Butler University, claimed to have captured Oscar and that the hunt was finally over. However, it was obvious that the turtle that the two men presented was not the famous Oscar but a 208-pound sea turtle. 
The men were attempting to cash in on the publicity of the hunt for the beast by releasing their fake beast into the water and then capture it. Poor thing. It was obvious from the beginning that this was not the same turtle, but it did give the town an idea. If all else fails, they decided to attempt to lure Oscar out of the lake with a 200-pound female sea turtle. Unfortunately, this just didn't work out. Yeah. Either Oscar wasn't in the mood for love, or perhaps Oscar was not a he, but a she. Chapter 7, The War Gets Serious. Oh dear. Things are getting dicey in the water. Very much so. <laughs> Harris was beginning to grow desperate to locate and capture the creature, even resorting to plans that would have made Wiley Coyote proud. <laughs> the Kokomo Tribune reported that the Fort Wayne General Electric Company would help him run electricity from his house through a power line to the lake. They're going to electrocute him? What the hell? The extreme plan was that they would shock Oscar out of hiding at the bottom of the lake who then would come to shore to escape the discomfort of the electric water. Men would be located throughout the shore in preparation of snagging the disoriented beast when it appeared. Someone needs to shock them. Well, I don't think there was a humane society back in those days. Mm. So initially, 2,500 volts were sent into the water of Folk Lake. Frogs and fish all surfaced in response to the shock. But with Oscar, everyone watched the surface of the water until the annoyed reptile actually surfaced. However, he didn't swim to the shore, but rather towards the deeper water where he submerged again to insulate himself against the electrical current in the deep muck and mud of the lake's bottom. <laughs> Chalk up another victory for Oscar. Poor thing. By September, the farmer set up his most elaborate idea yet to capture the turtle. The farm owner decided that he would just drain Folk Lake. <sighs> he drove his tractor up to the edge of the lake and hooked up a centrifugal sump pump. He hoped to drain the water from the lake to leave Oscar with nowhere to hide. Harris had constructed a pipeline that would move the water from Folk Lake to nearby White Lake and then place a dam to prevent the water from flowing back. Public interest in the beast was sparked once again as the lake was being drained for seven days of non-stop pumping. From its original seven acres, it was now down to only one. It seemed that Harris's plan would finally work. These crowds included senators and celebrities, all seeking to have their names attached to the proof of Oscar's existence. On October 13th, in front of a crowd of 200 people, Oscar made his appearance, rising to the surface, long enough to snatch a dove which was being used as a lure. Harris felt that he would finally become victorious in his attempt to capture the beast once and for all. Want to guess how this ends out? Poor thing, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't just miraculously start coming to water again. Or, is the, or does the pump break and the water all comes back? <laughs> all right, let's tell just me. say, let's just say, the continuous draining of the water eventually took its toll on the oh pump, God. which was working at going through a gallon of gasoline a minute, with a grand total of approximately two thousand gallons 
being pumped out before it finally failed and it broke down. Of course. Plus, the sinking ground from the water also weakened his hastily constructed dam and it broke, <laughs> flooding the water back into Folk Lake. That's hilarious. The farmer was beaten, but not going to be defeated just yet. He started to cast nets into the rising water, but failed to produce his nemesis. He stated that he was beginning to feel that he had gone too far, but he just couldn't stop now. Unfortunately, an appendicitis made the choice for him in December. <laughs> That's not funny. No, but Harris was forced to bed rest for months. Chapter 8, The End of the War By the time Harris was recovered enough to pursue his hunt for the beast, rain had all but replenished the water to the lake. Harris declared that his hunt for the beast of Busca was over, since his health, sadly, was just not strong enough to continue. There was also the expenses of his hunt for Oscar. He had to pay for the gasoline and the loss of crops because of people crowding along his fields to get a look at the enormous turtle. His land was trampled, the fences broken by the sightseers. Harris had tried to recoup his money by charging admission and to sell food, but he lost a fortune. In the end, the following year, he had to auction off the farm and all of his turtle traps and finally went bankrupt. Gail Harris and his family moved away to Fort Wayne where he took a job with General Electric, <laughs> the same company that had assisted him with his electrifying the water plant. Right. Ralph Longsworth moved onto the property with his wife and three daughters, where they were happy with the land and had no interest in chasing after the beast of Busco. Chapter 9, Oscar of Today. Cool. Since then, no further attempts to hunt Oscar have occurred letting the gigantic turtle enjoy the peace and quiet of his watery home. Debate on whether the beast of Busco does exist continues even as his story still grows. New parts are being added to the legend of Oscar. It was rumored that the turtle was gifted its enormous size and cleverness when he was a pet of Native American chief Little Turtle of the Miami Peoples. Churro Busco is the designated birthplace for this respective leader of the Native American tribe. Upon his release into the waters of Indiana, this chief's pet absorbed his spirit and that of his tribe. It was because of this that he was able to grow so large and outsmart Harris at every turn. Debate on whether or not this is true is up for the individual listener. Many experts, to include the turtle expert Rusty Reed, who previously dismissed the idea of a giant turtle in the lake, do say now that there is a possibility for the existence of a large turtle in Folk Lake. Most of their experiences suggested that the world record for a snapping turtle is only 70 pounds and the alligator snapping turtle being 230 pounds. There are unconfirmed reports of a 403 pound alligator snapper was found in Kansas in 1937. And as far as turtles are concerned, the leatherback sea turtle is the largest turtle species on earth and they grow up to 7 feet long and exceed mm. 2,000 pounds. Oh, I want to see one of those. So these leatherback sea turtles have the size of Oscar. 
These reptilian records are also the only remaining representative of a family of turtle that traces its evolutionary roots back more than a hundred million years. So as a species, turtles do have the potential, but the leatherback is a sea turtle, not a freshwater. Right. So I don't know if it's question time or not, but all of these things they went through seemed like they were recorded by the news media and stuff. So where does it go from being a legend to being fact? There have been reports of video. There have been reports of photos. But just like Bigfoot, none of them have been conclusive to proving the existence of Oscar. Huh. That's weird. There's also another difficulty in the case of Oscar being an alligator snapping turtle. As I mentioned earlier, their natural habitat is in warmer waters of the south. However, in 1985, a study did prove that alligator snapping turtles wander northward as they age, and they grow larger in size, approximately one pound per year. Ah, they could be really old. There is a detail that turtles could live to the age of 400 years, which makes this theory even more interesting. This research supports the argument that Oscar may have been an alligator snapping turtle of excessive age that made his way farther and farther north, growing one pound per year until it reached Falk Lake. So, what about the current owners of Falk Lake and their feelings on the Beast of Busco? Well, in 2021, a new real estate listing near Churubusco included more than 43 acres of land and a fully stocked lake for fishing. That's right. You can buy the lake Woo. property home to Oscar the Busco Beast. Woo! Busco. <laughs> well, I don't want to live in Indiana though. Isn't it cold? Well, hold on to this. The listing reads located with nearly 44 acres, the property is on the market for a million dollars. Wow. Along with Folk Lake, Whitetail Realtor Justin Green says the property is a great hunting tract with great fishing. As of the time of this recording, no one's come up with that million dollars. The property still seems to be available at the time of this podcast. The property is still available at 10909 West North County Line Road, Churubusco, Indiana, 46723. Turtle Town, USA. For those of you who want to research the history of Oscar, the Beast of Busco, you can visit the Churro Busco History Center, which is located on 201 North Main Street in downtown Churro Busco. The center is open Monday, Thursday, and Saturdays from 10 to 2. Definitely the schedule of a small town. <laughs> True. So now that I've told you the story of Oscar, the Beast of Busco, Let's talk about how he has affected modern culture. Okay. Just a year after the hunt for Oscar, the town began celebrating the giant reptile with a four-day festival titled as Turtle Days. Twenty local organizations banded together to operate as a fundraiser for the Boy Scout and community building. The celebration continues today during a weekend in June with a fair containing rides, music, and food. One of the highlights of Turtle Days is a turtle race, which began in 1968, bringing in people across the country. For my recommendations for movie night, 
Although there is not a movie directly based on the Beast of Busco, I was able to pull together a few movies for you to grab your popcorn buckets and enjoy these giant turtles. First, we have Bermuda Depths of 1978. This is about a pair of scientists who are investigating the ocean depths of the Bermuda Triangle when they encounter a giant turtle larger than sailing ships and the ocean spirit of a young woman who is more than she seems. Could it be that these water spirits were involved in helping Oscar achieve his immense size? Watch the movie and tell me for yourself. Ooh. Next we have Gamera the giant monster hmm. of 1965. Now he is initiated in a collection of kaiju films from Japan. He is a giant turtle that was meant to compete with Godzilla during the age of the monster movies. He has atomic powers and the ability to fly. So a little bit more than a giant turtle monster. A little more than Oscar. Luckily, the Beast of Busco never developed these powers, but there is always fun in watching old Japanese giant monster movies. And then lastly, I added the never-ending story of 1984. <gasps> this is about a troubled boy who dives into a wondrous fantasy world through the pages of a mysterious book. Moira is only a minor character in the story, but this is my favorite gigantic wise old turtle who talks to herself and is allergic to people. <laughs> it is amazing special effects, and she will always be my favorite movie turtle. So have you seen oh, any of these movies? A never-ending story, of course. Wow. Who hasn't? I love Falcor. Now, although there is no one book that is dedicated to the legend of Oscar, the Beast of Busco, the book entitled Monsters at the Crossroad Cryptids and Legends of Indiana has a complete chapter on the history of the events of 1949. Yeah. Final opinions, Goldia? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say the media is the best source for everything, but with all of those different reports, I mean, I can't say there's not. And I mean, and I've seen big turtles. Now, if it's six feet long, I don't know. I mean... Well, some of the reports even have listed them as 15 feet. Yeah. But, I mean, you can see something and you can make up your own foot. Oh, definitely. You know, it's like from the time when I was you know, younger, I'd think, oh, this is so big. But then when you really think about in ruler size, oh, well, that's not that big. And that so, may be the case here. Yeah. Exaggeration might not be purposely exaggerated, just not know the actual you know, sizes of rulers and, you know, metrics. So, guesstimation. Yeah. Well, is there a snapping turtle so large that it breaks through traps and wire nets living in the waters of Folk Lake? If it was a hoax perpetrated by Gerald Harris, he paid for it with his health and his entire savings. Yeah, so would he do that? No. I wouldn't think so. Well, then, if it's real... Can he really be as large as a dining room table and weigh 500 pounds? No. Alligator snapping turtles have reached a size of over 200 pounds, with new discoveries of larger specimens every year. But, like we said, it's too cold. Well, there also the study of 1985 says that larger turtles do travel northward. True. Oh, Lord. Perhaps we will find one that is closer to the size of Oscar, 
Or perhaps his great size is an exaggeration of people telling fish stories. Oh, and there's another fact that I need to let you know about. Yeah? Alligator snapping turtles have disproportionate large heads when compared to the rest of their body. Okay. If people only saw its enormous head reaching out of the water, it is possible for them to mistake the size as being much larger. So you might see this giant right. head and think there's a huge body behind it, whereas the body doesn't match the head size. Exactly. And that is a case with alligator snapping turtles. Does Oscar still swim in the waters of the lake, waiting to finally be discovered? It is possible that he has moved on to the warmer waters with less conflicts with people. Or, his old age, he may have passed away. Specialists say that turtles continue to grow as they get older. So perhaps Oscar was a very, very, very old turtle. Yeah. Who has now finally passed away. His enormous shell might lie at the bottom of Folk Lake, buried beneath the muck and the mud. What hmm. you can scuba dive there? Well, you saw they tried to have the one Rigsby tried For, to do a diving suit to go down there. I mean, just see if it's dead. Who's to say? It's seven acres of lake, though, so kind of mm. hard. And the muck and mud there is supposed to be approximately three to four feet deep. Oh. So if he died and got married in that right. muck, his shell is buried in three feet of mud. Yeah. There are so many questions that remain unanswered, but that's the best part of the mystery of cryptids. Regardless, whatever you take away from this, what you believe about the beast of Busco is for you to keep. Well, being just sure to watch where I swim, I suppose this is a good time to make our way back out of the mist and bring this episode to a close. I'd like to give special thanks to David Facilian and Facilian Studios for our introduction music. We would like to ask you to please leave us a review on the podcast provider you are listening to this podcast on to really help promote the show. We are on social media and would love to hear your stories and opinions about encounters with giant turtles of your own. You can reach us on our Facebook page, Within the Mist Podcast. We are also on Instagram and Twitter. Plus, we have an email at WithinTheMistPodcast at gmail.com. We love stories and hearing about your own personal experiences. For those of you who may need a daily dose of cryptids and ghosts, we have a TikTok channel which gives a few-minute clips about a story involving some of your favorites and some unknown creatures and spirits. We hope you enjoyed our stories about the Beast of Busco, and we'll come again for another episode. As a reminder, if we entertained you, feel free to donate a few dollars to our Buy Me a Coffee app. It's a great way to show that you enjoyed our stories, and we'll come again for another episode about cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries. Until then, we hope you make your way out of the mist safely, and perhaps a bit more curious. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, see you next time.